0: Hello everyone, hope you're all doing fine. Today is November 2020, and we're recording the very new episode of Big Data Month. As you can see, we're not in our beautiful studio in Paris. That is because Paris went under lockdown due to COVID once again. However, there's still news to discuss, and we're still eager to do that. That is why I'm joined today online by two beautiful members of Big Data Club. I'm joined by Chiara Hopner, who is the president, and Leonardo Nispolen, who is an active member of our association. Thank you guys for joining. I'll let you Thank you,
1: Alexander, yourself. for having us. Say,
0: so, yeah, go, go ahead, go, tell Kiara. us about go yourself. For, go so, for where it. Are and what are you doing right now? I
2: can start. So, uh, I'm Chiara. I'm half German, half French. And at the moment, I'm at isB doing a master in big data and business analytics.
0: Okay, and where are you right now, physically? So we know that we're... Right now,
2: sure. Uh, I'm in Munich at the moment, actually.
0: Great, so we have... Germany on this side. I'm right now in the the suburbs of Paris. And what about you, Leo? I'm in Italy right now, in in my hometown. So basically, it's
1: Leo. Uh, I'm Italian from a small town near Venice. And I'm as well enrolled in the Big Data and Business Analytics uh, Master. And as well as Alexander said, I'm an active member of the Big Data Club. I'm very glad to be here with you all.
0: So that's great, that's great, I'm, we're having a very international podcast right now, three countries of Europe right now chatting, thanks to the 21st century. That's not the only coolest cool techie thing we're going to discuss today, I don't know who wants to start with their news feed, so we we're going to first start by discussing news of the very, of this very past month, we're going to discuss things that made us think or interested us in some way, all th- all the news are data AI, high tech related, IT related at least, and then we're gonna at the end pass to our data well, job of the month, data job of the month section. This this month is gonna be data analyst, uh, data scientist. Sorry, data analyst was the last time. Watch the first episode if you haven't. Um, so stay tuned for that. Let's start with the news. Who wants to start presenting their first knowledge bite, news bite this month?
1: Leonardo <laughs> oh okay okay I'll try to do my best so the first one is an article that I found I believe in the Financial Times by this guy Charles Radcliffe which happens to be the founder of this uh, company called ethics grade which is basically an ESG rating agency and for who don't know who doesn't know what ESG stand for these are basically some criteria that are getting more and more popular in the financial industry, let's say. There are a set of standards. ESG stands for uh, environmental, uh, social, and governance. So these standards describe how the company's operation are, uh, mm, let's say, in compliance with the environmental issue, social issues, so like, I don't know, relationship with employees, uh, with customers, this kind of stuff, and governance as well. So how much they respect their shareholder rights, uh, how much they pay their executives and this kind of stuff. So why did this, this guy create this um, ESG rating company? So basically when you want to invest, uh, what happens? You go to your wealth manager, you are a very rich guy and he's going to ask you two questions. It doesn't matter if you have 100 million in your bank account, a thousand euro, probably if you have a thousand euro, you won't have a wealth manager, but still is going to ask you your sensitivity to risk and if you prefer like performance or ethical investment. So sensitivity risk is not a problem, right? We can like create a scale from one to 10 and uh, let's say try to assess your risk and let's say, okay, your risk level is eight, so I'm going to do this and this investment. But the ethical issue is quite big because the problem with the ESG ratings that I told you before is that they are not that precise. So what did this guy think about? Why not using artificial intelligence to find a way to match perfectly the value of an investor to the value, let's say ESG value of an organization. He he does this uh, kind of thing, which is like building this algorithm and he fit the algorithm, algorithm with the two main data set. One is the profile of the investor, which is quite pretty easy to assess. And the other is the ethic profile of the organization, okay? So for the first one, we don't have any problems. With the second ones, we start having some problems because as I told you before, ESG are not that reliable. So use uh, NLP, which uh, we all know what is it. So natural la- language processing. And you uh, collect all these like news from the internet about like controversial topics. Uh, uh, how the governance is behaving, and this kind of stuff. He analyzed them and he creates this, let's say, particular score, which like gives a score to the company value. And uh, then he, um, how can we say, cross reference them with the um, value of the investor to find a perfect match and to advise him with the best investing
0: solution. Well, that sounds very interesting like in particular the part at the at the beginning when you said uh, you can choose the thing of be- uh, being either ethical either efficient yeah 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 that's, that yeah, that's really be- interesting like...
1: yeah that's because like nowadays you know with the whole climate crisis with the all yeah. like uh, people be more concerned about um, uh, the impact on the environment uh, there are a few studi- studies that like show that uh, uh, companies uh, respecting this kind of criteria perform better over the long time so if you have your investor who really care about the environment this kind of stuff that uh, your company behaves properly with its employees uh, you can tell me okay there are these this criteria and this this company that match this criteria go with them and you're going to have like a better overall performance in your portfolio compared to choosing other company which uh, doesn't respect this kind of criteria so yeah it's becoming a big thing
0: hope it's going to become a standard as well. I mean,
1: Uh, I don't know. I hope so, but it's kind of difficult, you know, like for imagine like company like Amazon or like, I don't know. I can't. I wouldn't say Google because I think Google like wrote a plan to be like a zero carbon emission uh, company by 2030. So they're doing good. Yeah. But there are like many companies, imagine like oil company or chemicals companies, like almost impossible. So i hope it becomes a standard but still
0: yeah same who knows yeah well that's that's all funny Uh, i mean that's nice a nice way to put ai to um to the test because it's gonna it's gonna be hopefully able to quantify and quantifiable or like to measure Mm -hmm. the things we can't measure or like we measure exactly every time so yeah that's that's a huge thing now Right De now, for the research project, we're working on, on a startup valuation using data mm-hmm. and AI. It's pretty much the same idea. Before, it was done by humans like you and me, who would just, based on their experience and knowledge and feelings, they would just say, Well, this is going to be measured as that much euros, mm-hmm. for example, this as much euros. But now, AI is less uh, critical, less prone to. To be succumbed to the feelings and stuff, so that's why hopefully it's gonna be, it's gonna be better for all, yeah. Kara, uh, I believe we uh we yeah. can hear you anymore. Let's. But, sh- that's, that's normal. That's life. So you can just join us again and. Uh, yeah. I mean, sound issues. Here we are. Now we. Now it's great. Yes. Yeah, so, now is it better? Yeah, it is yep. great.
2: Great. I was just going to add, um, but don't you think in like evaluating companies, it's very important to meet the people as well to actually get that feeling? Um mm. I think that's something AI Yes, is not
1: but, able
2: to do yet at the moment. But right?
1: the, so yes, yes, but at the same times, maybe you meet, I don't know, the CEO of a company is not going to tell you that he... He pollutes the water of the river behind the his factory, okay? Mm-hmm. But if instead, like the AI is able to find an article, maybe by from a local newspaper saying, "Oh, we notice a uh, big uh, pollution on the river uh, coming from the company," policies is uh, uh, is checking on it. Maybe he can uh, he can measure it. You know, like mm-hmm. company yeah. try to hide this kind of stuff. And also, if you are like. Uh, uh, a single per a single person, like you can't go to the sea or like you can't really inform yourself properly. Yeah. So, in this way, AI is trying to um, uh, close this gap.
0: Yeah. I- imagine in the future, the AI is going to be able to perfectly read your emotions and see whether you're lying or not. Ooh, That's going to be funnier. That, that, yeah. And <laughs> would be scary as well, I think. Yeah. Very scary. <laughs> but yes. Is- oh, sorry. You know, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Ask, where where was this um, initiative started?
1: Uh, I think he's from UK. Uh, let me check. Hmm. hmm. Ah, yeah, he's like a uh, visiting fellow at Bristol University, so I guess he's from UK. And uh, but yeah, like uh, ESG is basically uh, a thing all over the world, so I think. Uh, is using this kind of uh, technology whether it is the american market the european market uh, but yeah f- from understanding was born like in the uk since he is from uk okay.
0: so i don't know if you can want to continue Chiara, with with your news article for today like one of the news articles cool
2: so um the article i read was in the new york times and it was about um wearable devices that are currently being used uh, in different settings, in factories, in schools, um, in hospitals as well, um, to kind of help track the spread of the coronavirus uh, pandemic. And um, I don't know, probably you've heard about these um, corona apps before, uh, but the wearables are actually quite different um, because they can take uh, readings every single minute uh, they can um, track your like uh, temperature and different other measures uh, to see if you have corona or so on. And they can even track your distance to other people um, at a much more precise level than the app. And um, yeah, so what they said in this article is that uh, these wearable devices are being made mandatory in certain settings. So there are some universities in the U.S. um, that make their students wear um, these devices to track them. And I thought that's really interesting because on one hand, um, of course, it's great if you can um, kind of see like uh, who's who uh, who might be infected with COVID um, and try to trace uh, the other people uh, who could have been infected. But on the other hand, I think there's also some privacy issues like. If someone is reading uh, your, I don't know, personal um, skin temperature and different measures every single minute, I find that quite scary and even that they um, make it mandatory. So um, yeah, I thought that was an interesting article.
0: Is there really a point of having like a variable on you? Because we in Europe, we have, like in France, we have a a tracking app on our phones that like Mm kind of does the same, like it just... Tells us if we were in contact or exposed to people who were maybe infected by COVID. But like, do we really need to measure everything? Like all the health markers, mandatory? That sounds Yeah, so
2: actually what they were saying is that um, these wearable devices, they're kind of targeted at a different audience. So it's more for settings um, where people can't have their mobile phone, for example. So it's being used in factories where workers um, maybe don't have or are not allowed to bring their phone into the factory. And uh, there's actually this company um, that was, um, it's called Kine-
0: Up, uh, Kiara. Let's a, do the trick. It's Let's do the trick.
2: trick. Yes. Great. <laughs> <Right. laughs> um, so there's, a, I was thinking there's a company called uh, Kinexon. Mm-hmm. And previously they were making wearables for the sports industry. So to track like basketball players' movement, to analyze that. And with the whole Corona pandemic, they like converted their business model. And now instead of making these trackables for a sports team, they're making trackables um, for like Corona virus yeah. detection. And they're mainly selling it to factories. And um, just one more point to add, I watched a video and um, factory workers wear this little bracelet uh, mm-hmm. with a chip. And if they come too close to other workers, the bracelet will start beeping. Oh. So it's quite intense. <laughs>
1: then I, mean. I think that yeah t- technology is having like a, sup- a great impact on like this covid stuff there are a lot of innovation ongoing like there was an hackathon in italy it's not stri- strictly related but there was this hackathon where they did like the winner developed this uh, app where like you cough in the so you call yourself coughing and then they analyze the data and then you can tell you if you have like covid symptoms i don't know how reliable it is because uh, obviously as you can imagine they need to collect like Thousand and thousand and thousand million of data, but still it's pretty cool like that. You don't even need to go to the hospital. Maybe one day you can just cough in your phone. Okay, then maybe you can clean it, and and uh, you
0: know like whatever you have.
2: Wow, that's crazy. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, it's all interesting. I, I'm still curious how there is not a single collective, uh, I don't know, file in the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, yeah, that's very issue because. I mean, if a very you make, US thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you don't, like if you force your people to wear it. I mean, I think maybe it's a corporate thing. Like people think, okay, well, I'm I'm in the corporate environment, why not? Uh, but like, yeah, just forcing people to do that all the time would be over the board for sure, yeah. over the top. Or well, maybe now it's like a, a measure they're trying to keep workers safe. However, yeah, yeah many maybe. questions related to that. I still maybe, think you it know, can be done with a f- like phone type of device with no <laughs> tracking of everything your, your heart do- does. Yeah.
1: I think it's mandatory maybe because, uh, you know, if like in a big factory or stuff, someone gets infected, then maybe you have to shut down some part of your factory. Yeah. So in this way, maybe, you know, people are going to know where you are, maybe inside the factory, but still. Yeah. maybe they they know uh, the worst that could happen is that they know that you're in the bathroom uh, you know taking a break <laughs> right so uh,
0: yeah but so.
2: i wonder how can you hear me yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay
2: great I- i'm w- i'm wondering how it will be like after the whole once they find a vaccine maybe coronavirus Ooh. is eradicated like will they continue with these kind of devices or will the devices also um disappear with the coronavirus hopefully they you know. will but
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> They're going to keep them just for the good measure. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Yeah, well, privacy like is that. a huge issue you now. Yeah, Even yeah, with the- simple tracking apps, not all people are able to accept them. Even though they're trying to make them anonymous, they're trying to make it all as... Unconnected to you as possible, it's just your Bluetooth like device, your Bluetooth code that gets exchanged with other codes with no other information, and if one of the code holders has like the symptoms, he just types it in the thing and it's completely anonymous, so even if you break into the system, like hack their data, you're not going to be able to see much because it's all um, anonymized, you're not going to be really able to connect it in theory, hopefully, but um, yeah, it's a huge privacy issue.
1: Yeah, in Italy, we had like, go, go, go for it, Cara.
2: Go ahead, enter.
1: No, in Italy, we had like very big concern with people being like, no, you're going to control us. We don't want to download it. It's useless. Even though like they explained it very well, don't worry. We're not going to know where you are, what you're doing. It's just for safety measures. And they're like, no. So it was quite a failure.
2: It's a cultural thing as well. Because in certain parts of the world, these corona uh, tracing apps are mandatory and really widely adopted. But uh, in Germany, I can say the same, like, uh, it's not mandatory and not everyone has it. So, yeah,
0: well, let's pass from the Big Brother theme to the to the all seeing governments to some more fun stuff, because I have two fun articles for today. The first one is about robots. Okay, um, cool. You all know Boston Dynamics, I think. The company yeah, yeah. that does beautiful, uh beautifully I would say beautifully choreographed robots. They are having Atlas and their spot models. Like Atlas is the two legged biped robot that performs amazingly well. It can jump around, do somersaults and Be more stable on ground than me and uh, they also have spot a four-legged model that is um, that is looks like a dog looks very cute It's yellow. You've probably seen it and it also can keep uh, keep its ground So if you kick it punch it or if it slips by accident it can get up and it's pretty resilient. It's pretty Universal that is why it was the first thing to get released officially by Boston Dynamics like a couple of months Maybe a year ago It was released to the public for an exorbitant price of seventy-five thousand dollars, I think. Of course, it's mm-hmm. a. It's more of a prototype than a real thing, because uh, it only comes with a factory preset, and that is what my new my news of the month is going to be. Is it's the first report of BP, British Petroleum, a company okay. that actually purchased the robots, and it's their first report on how they adapted them to the situation, because. When, it, when you buy this extremely expensive robot, it comes with like factory presets and like f- factory abilities of being able to walk, analyze the environment and stuff, but it's for you, or like for your company's employees, to program the thing uh, so it fits the environment you want. Because it's not only for the, let's say, British Petroleum platforms or anything else. It can be anything. It just depends on you and what you code inside the thing. So British Petroleum shared their... In size, their ways of, of adapting the robots to the uh, petroleum stations. So, for instance, they, uh, yeah, they um, implemented spots on the petroleum stations. They were able to do uh, checks, for example, because they have good cameras. They are able to track the place in 3D and so place themselves when they were needed and where they were needed. So um, they were able to do the regular checkups. So far, they're doing; they're going smoothly. They're not throwing spots at the in the frontier of of in the in the industry. They're just doing the mandatory, obligatory, a little bit um, boring stuff that people can do. But uh, but they're doing it pretty well because thanks to the um, to the programming and more importantly, it's it's um, it's a complex way of programming. It's a mix of uh, machine learning, deep learning, and all the other algorithms, because that's the best way to learn Spot to be be responsive to one type of task, but not, like, only in one set of conditions. That's why you can, like, learn it, I don't know, to check this sensor, even if it's foggy, even if it's raining, even if the sensor's a little bit to the right because it was placed to the right by the worker, it's still gonna be able, like, to find it, stand in front of it, scan it, and send the report live to whatever um, system he's connected to. So for me, it's a it's a beautiful, inspiring thing to see because finally a robot is working next to humans in a dangerous environment. It's going to help alleviate some mundane tasks, and later on, it's going to be able to act in more dangerous environments where humans are maybe exposed to potential dangers. They're going to be able to do the same tasks or nearly the same tasks, but with no risk for the human lives and uh, for hopefully the same efficiency. So. I don't know about you, but I I feel I feel I'm happy as a human to know that. Nice, no, yeah. We're going there,
1: super cool. Like I think I saw the there is this Canadian guy, a YouTuber called Unbox Therapy. I think. Oh yeah, Louis. And, I think yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Lewis, Lewis. Yeah, and he actually unboxed like the the Boston Dynamics. Uh, oh, it's called Spot, right? Spot. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh man, this is so cool. Let's see how much does it cost. And then I saw the price, and I was like, okay. It's easy. It's cheaper to get another dog, maybe, but yeah, like, no, it's incredibly cool. Like I, I've been seeing like videos around going viral for the past, I think, 10 years, maybe more or less mm-hmm. of this, uh, spot dog and, uh, knowing that now it's available to the public, to companies I and mean, it can actually help humans, uh, with their daily tasks. is like super great.
2: And actually order it on their site.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you can actually see the seventy-five thousand dollars price tag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. I mean, you, you can order it if you if you want. Like, it's not restricted to companies, so it's everyone. Yeah, and like as Lewis, like many other YouTubers, like MKBHD did it, and also yeah, Adam yeah. Savage from Mythbusters. Uh, he has oh, really? One. Yeah, yeah, he has one, and it's very interesting how he tests it because okay, they like the physical people. They're not like able to code them substantially because they're just one man army but they're still like testing their basic functions which are so impressive too like you can see how you can like direct the um, the thing to walk over i don't know uh, an obstacle like over a set of stairs and they're gonna be able to do it Uh, and they're beautifully yellow which is which is (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean yeah Yeah, that's for the the robot it's funny looking Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not really like
1: this, those, those kind of robots, you know, with uh, in the film, how it's called, the one with Will Smith, you know, very resembling humans. Machina? Ex- yeah,
0: yeah,
1: oh, I robot, think. Maybe. Yeah. I, ro- I robot, yeah, I mean. We were funny. talking about this movie
0: last podcast. It's Every podcast, we're <laughs> going to be able to talk about this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: No, but uh, yeah, I love it. I mean, Let's who knows? Maybe
0: I... in like 20 years, you're going to be able to buy yourself a, a mechanical dog who's going to be able not only to. Run around in the park, but also, I don't know, read news articles with you or, like, cook.
1: Yeah, yeah. next thing, instead of buying a car, you'll buy, like, a mechanical dog. Yeah. Why not? I would love to ride it, actually. I would love to, yes. I mean, yes so gonna, like a mechanical yeah, right?
0: horse. Oh, yeah. that would be great, honestly. <laughs> like, I yeah. would be all things about the, this mechanical horse. It would be my my... A day-to-day <laughs> thing from morning to evening.
1: <laughs> Can you imagine, like, riding on the Champs-Élysées with your yeah. big horse? Yeah, wow. and I'm going to be like, Leo, Wouldn't who
0: did you buy? Oh, I bought a unicorn. Who did you buy? Yeah. I bought a, yeah, I bought a mammoth. <laughs> like, I wanted oh, a man, mammoth. No. That's yeah. wonderful. Wow, that would be beautiful. That's well, so far we have spots, which is good, too. I know. Yeah. So let's continue with, uh, with the second set of news. Okay. Second round. So let's I- do it again. Okay. The same so okay. Leo, please. Okay. So, yeah, I'm... a.
1: Uh, I'm a startup guy, so here another startup. This article, I think, is from TechCrunch, and it's about Arbor, which like just raised uh, about 40 million in the in their last uh, Series A round. And they do. Be- when I wrote about them, I was like, man, this is what uh, me, Alexander, and the other guy during the data-driven uh, exam, tried to do. So they basically built a a platform, a secure platform, mm. to enable big data exchange. Uh, between companies or third parties or between like um, uh, other part of the organization. So basically, their goal they they work on three aspects on a technical side. So they try to put the data that they collect into a let's say common um, format so it can be used by everyone. Second, problem they try to tackle is like commercial. So they want to create this kind of thing where you can provide your data to others and even make a a marketplace, let's say, so where you can exchange data like you are, I don't know, in Amazon. So you have a seller A selling to selling B, this amount of data, and seller B can use them without any problems because they are on the same format. And third, as well, as we talked before, security, which is a big issue. I also have like a very short and nice video, which like shows the whole infrastructure. I don't know if I can share it somehow. We can
0: share the screen, yes. Okay,
1: let me see if I can do it because like, it's really super intuitive and I find it amazing. Like, wait, let me see. Uh, Video. Okay, share your screen. Go live, blah, blah. Okay. Let Let me watch the stream. Let's see. If still it loading. works, loading. I mean, if I can show it, never mind. Okay. But yeah, so basically, while it's loading, I'll keep talking. Mm-hmm. So basically, the main idea is to, to transform data and to have you see like data as a product and as an asset. So reshape the way companies think about data and get the most out of them. So not just use them by yourself, and, but like make them accessible to the whole organization in a smart and easy way. Okay. Wait, I'll try to do this sharing yeah, stuff excellent. and as well to third parties, because like yeah. was the main problem that we try to tackle, right? Like the, within the company that we work for, I don't know if we can, uh, uh say the name, yeah, probably. Maybe. Okay, let's don't say it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, we work with these big companies, which goal was to become a data-driven company. And we noticed that the main problem was that the within the organization, since it was this big, was very difficult to communicate with the different type of data that you, they had, right? And this company, Arbor, basically is finding a way to like uh, create a, some unique format, and some, also some format that maybe you have format A and format B, but to switch from format A to format B is just a matter of a click. I don't need to do any work on it. So I mean, pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that is a very underutilized asset. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully, we're gonna be able to leverage as much as we can from it.
1: Okay, it's not sharing, but maybe okay. Yeah, I'll leave you like laggy. I can. I can tell you how we spell is it, H A R B O R. So if any one of the people following from home want to check it. Okay the video is very informative and it's like super cool. You can actually see the, the websites from where you can control all your, all of your data and
2: stuff. All
0: oh, right, that's very cool. Okay. Kiara back. Kiara, did the trick. That's good. <laughs> yes.
2: That sounds really cool.
0: Yeah.
1: And and go, go, go.
2: Can anyone just access this platform to sell their data or how does it work?
1: Uh yeah yeah you can uh, um I mean, from understanding, like let's say you have a company and you can with your data you can create this basically this marketplace and uh, company B can join this platform, join your uh, uh, let's say company web um, website inside the platform, and buy your data from there Okay yeah. So it's pretty cool. I don't know how how much uh, how how they work with the compliance with GDPR and this kind of stuff, but apparently they find a way to work around it or to be compliant with it. But yeah, you can do like whatever you want within the platform with third parties or with uh, other part of your organization.
0: Okay, that sounds like, that sounds like an, in, an excellent opportunity for for those who want to who want to yeah. Do something with their numbers that they generate the um, yep. data numbers that's cool let's let's see let's see how it plays out in the future hopefully it's going to be yes. it's
1: yeah it's just like i think a, a three years old platform and there is a total i don't know uh, last round was 40 million i think that right now they may be around like a total money raised, like total funding of 60, 70 million. So it's not bad for a three years old It's company. promising, very promising, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: It's good. Wow. Yeah. So then Yara, can you just- you
2: can...
0: Se- Sorry? Yes?
2: I uh, Yeah, just another question. Can you then just select what data you want to buy and they give you a price or is it like an oh. auction or how does it- mm,
1: It doesn't specify this part, but yeah, you don't, need, you don't have to buy all the data that this company can offer. Uh, Let's say, I don't know, if you are Walmart, you have, I don't know, data about uh, how many people buy different type of tea and you're a company selling tea. Maybe you need uh, this kind of data for market segmentation. So you join the platform and you say, okay, you sell this kind of data. I want to buy them. And that's it.
0: It's a great opportunity for panel marketing, honestly. Yeah, 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 definitely. Change the market for real. But it's great. Hmm. Go Arbor. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Please, Kiara, Now, can you share us the second second news article we'd like to share?
2: Um, so the article I read was in the Financial Times, and it's about a new language uh, generation model called GPT three. Have you heard about it?
1: No, nope, not really. Not no. yet, at least.
2: Well, it's incredible because you can give it um, some text or like a prompt, and it will generate uh, like a whole. Um, paragraph <clears throat> or a whole response. So basically it can write text um in a way that's super similar to a human. And it was actually released um in this May by OpenAI, which is a company based in yeah. um San Francisco. It's, and it's
0: uh, company, I believe. Yeah.
2: I think he invested in it. I'm not yeah, quite like sure.
0: His, his investments are there for sure.
2: But so this model cost uh, $12 million uh, to build. And actually an interesting fact they mentioned in the article um, is that it has been trained on 45 terabytes of text data. And um, so this means it processes about 45 billion times the number of words a human perceives in their lifetime, uh, which I think is incredible. And currently it's, um, it's just been... Uh, released to other companies um, as a beta version, so companies can make use of it now. And uh, what's really interesting about this uh, language model, uh, it can be used, for example, to write automated emails, um, to create marketing content. So, um, yeah, it's been really applied to instances where humans don't really need to write any text anymore. Um,
1: So not credible. (laughs) No more universal. No more university essay for the students of the future or hopefully.
0: <laughs> You're just gonna choose the essay that you like the most. You know. The
1: <laughs> this could be groundbreaking for all the students all over the world.
0: Yeah, but that's like yeah. a it's like a neural network type of thing because now even now we have like Twitter accounts that are completely led by by an yeah. AI that are just uh, like, you know, composed by an AI from scratch or like based on something. And it's very interesting to see how they come up with like things that make sense. Of course, now it's only in the beginning, but I hope, well, I think oh, open AI is making more and more progress in this field, not only this company, but yeah, it's very fascinating. Yeah.
2: Just what I think is interesting as well is this model, it can create, like, incredible language, incredible sentences, but it doesn't recognize the meaning behind the words it creates. So yeah, to okay. give you an example, um, like, one researcher asked um, the model, uh, how many eyes does my foot have? And so mm. GPT-3 replied, uh, your foot has two eyes.
0: Oh, so, okay. I mean, yeah. it,
2: it can create, like, coherent sentences, but I don't think it understands... Um, what it's creating.
0: yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or it makes so
1: it's not, it not <laughs> So it's it's not like going to substitute like journalists and stuff, right? Yet. Like it can it can't it, it doesn't understand like emotions and stuff, so you can't write like a passionate piece of article about I don't know, war somewhere in the world. It's just like basically reading the question and try to figure out like the the sentence that make the most sense, right? More yeah. No, okay. it's just
2: but like, it's already oh sorry no, no go ahead uh, it's writing it's writing poetry already so yeah. oh and it's fun
0: i was i wanted to talk about this it's fun to know that you're reading a thing that makes you feel something but you know that the thing that wrote it didn't feel anything yeah it right didn't mean to feel anything and you're like wow am i just being uh, di- divert like being diverted by a machine that that just scrambles <laughs> letters and gives it to me that's interesting yeah we were talking about this uh, about this in the last podcast like if an a i does the, uh, an art piece and it is it an art piece well we we thought that well maybe if you feel something from it then it is, and same here i mean if it's an a i do- doing the things, yeah of course it doesn't feel much, but if you feel something then isn't it a good yeah idea? yeah i agree that's,
1: that's the i think they can it. make a yeah yeah yeah, so yeah i
0: mean this
2: is like philosophical questions like what does it mean to be creative and so on
0: yeah and ma- what maybe maybe there's <laughs> a scramble words but maybe that's how we're gonna find the meaning of everything <laughs> who knows yeah. maybe they're the philosophers of the future because they don't have all the prejudice we have they don't have anything they have to do they're not accountable so they just shuffle words around and see what happens that's
1: that's very deep, Alex. I'll, Thank you. I I'll, I I'll spend my day thinking about it, like oh.
0: yeah, maybe all the next Socrates are gonna be are gonna be AIs. AI, and we maybe we're gonna follow like... a philosophy, a life philosophy, or a life religion of a new AI, of a supercomputer <laughs> that's gonna think a million years before they answer and then say forty-two, just in the, <laughs> in the famous. Anyways, I I also yeah I had uh had a chance to mess with those algorithms. There's one. Released by Yandex, it it was trained mm-hmm. on Russian literature, classic Russian literature, and um, you can like type in text as much text as you want, and it's gonna be mm, base its answer on the Russian literature, and it's gonna like complete the paragraph for yourself. And let me tell you, some of them are very. Very interesting because like they try and keep uh, keep coherent with what you you've said before. They try and continue like they use the names, for example, you used. They use the same like sentence lengths, the same like tone of voice. They try to imitate your tone of voice, so they complete the sentence, and you see like you can actually see how it works, and it's very interesting. Yeah, who knows? We also will be able to use it. Maybe for um, tomorrow it's going to write the new best slogan for, I don't know, Apple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah,
1: like uh, the possibilities cool. are unlimited. Yeah. Like but, when you have... Let me when have you have a like an AI.
0: <laughs> Yeah. I mean, just let's put one of those things in my spot robot in the future and let me just be able to talk about the dog. I won't need anyone. <laughs> no.
1: That it'll be, it'll would be the final goal, like the final dream. Yeah, having once, once, once life. you once you achieve that, you're okay with your life.
0: I mean, no need to 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 invent interstellar communications no, or stuff.
1: I mean, talking robot, which is like a hundred times stronger than a human, I mm-hmm. would bite like tomorrow.
0: There's gonna be a shift in in power and on on this planet, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but why not? Let's see what happens. I'm gonna I'm gonna end the new segment with a little um interesting news it's not uh, that techy the news itself it's more to give you food for the thought because uh-huh. recently according to um Reuters recently um there was a change in the top tier um Security positions in Twitter, so now one of the head securities, if not the like the head security for for the Twitter, the one who is responsible for data protection, making sure that the integrity of the Twitter data, which is massive, stays intact so now this person is uh, a hacker, a very infamous hacker in the past of course, who was known as Mudge and now he is. He is appointed to this head position, which is very curious to think that a person who used to be a hacker who has a nickname above all and he's known for the nickname like a true hacker might be and now he's appointed to a very like corporate um structured position of a head of a big corporation that needs to to make sure that the data stays intact For me, it's just funny to think that a person who used to be a cyber cyber shady person now is Mm -hmm. has to attend weekly meetings with his team on a in a beautiful headquarters somewhere i don't know where twitter is based this is an interesting you know i
1: think that at the same time it's the best person that you could hire right like if someone is able Mm -hmm. yeah if someone is able to break into your uh, website or whatever your social network i would want to hire that person and pay it like uh, Million and million to keep like my my social network in this case secure.
0: Yeah, I mean also sense. Twitter.
1: I think at this year a data breach. Like uh, I don't know if you read when I think this seventeen years old guy from the U.S. like um, yeah yeah broke into Donald Trump. Bro- no, I, I don't know Trump. Yeah, Trump as well, Elon Musk, Obama, and this kind of personalities uh, and wrote like a tweet: "Send uh, X Bitcoin to this mm. address." Mm. Actually, people sending money. Now I think it's. He has some very uh, heavy charges from FBI and CIA. So I mean, yeah, yeah. and he raised like hundred k, I think, in Bitcoin.
0: Hmm. Well, I mean, no, no but this... like,
1: can can you imagine breaking into like Barack Obama Twitter profile and write, "Hey guys, send me Bitcoin," and people are like, "Yeah, why not?" <laughs> I mean, what's the president? <laughs> Let's send
0: him. Go. <laughs> he might be. Yeah. He might not receive enough funding from the U.S. government. So let's send. Yeah, him something. Yeah, yeah. yeah Let's send some Bitcoin,
1: man.
0: Yeah, but like, I don't know. Like, can you like perceive it as a as a career choice? Like, oh, I'm doing the IT school. Then I'm gonna become a hacker for a couple of years. If I if I don't get caught, maybe I'm gonna go to Microsoft or somewhere. <laughs> like, I <don't> know. <sighs> if I nah. prove to and be did- an enough a, a menace, they probably will be will be able to <laughs> hire me.
2: Yeah. Any illegal stuff, or was it all still like
0: pretty, pretty legal? I I don't know what he used to. Well, what he was doing before, like probably, if I even wanted to know, we wouldn't be able to know. (laughs) But like, it it was known that he was a (laughs) hacker, and you don't call normal people hackers. Maybe he was a white hat hacker. Uh, Yeah. um, Yes, but uh, that's that's the. He was on a freelance. Let's say he was on a freelance. (laughs) Yes. Yes, and.
1: I mean, yeah. it probably it's not a traditional path to follow, but at the same time, I think uh, that it's kind of common, like in companies that are uh, looking for this kind of people to take charge of your security yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. I think that who, who did it? I don't remember which company usually, like, post, uh, I don't know, like, uh, ah, probably Apple as well. Like, uh, if you if you manage to jailbreak their last, like, uh, EOS update, they're going to like to give you money if you explain them how you do it. Uh, yeah. It's basically free free work for them, because like they yeah, can instead of hacking, paying like, uh, this. yeah, you know. So why not? Probably it's the easier way instead, uh, I don't know, fully uh, a traditional career path.
0: It's illegal, yeah? I mean, white hat uh, hacking is legal as soon as you just yeah, explain yeah. the company and give everything and with, like without posting it somewhere online. It is completely legal and it's a good practice. Uh Yeah, so maybe it is an optional career choice if you want to become some head of security of some beautiful big company.
1: Probably um, it's even more effective than following the traditional yeah, path. Just stay legal, know, okay, guys. Yeah, if stay one legal. If you
0: listening wants to wants to do that, don't hack into Pentagon or anything. Stay legal. Wait, Tucker. I had this
1: period of my life where I wanted to get into coding and stuff. Like I was 12 years old. I was like, okay, how to hack. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I'm going to find all the stuff online. Obviously you're going to find some like very shady website or maybe some very like stupid uh, Reddit thread where they just make fun of you. So I never, and you know. don't but...
0: or two, yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. yes, probably, yeah.
1: But when I was 12 years old, I was very excited about yes. it, like, yeah. Yes. I want to Why break not? into stuff. Why not, yes. Imagine
0: yeah, the yeah. things I'm going to be able to do. I'm going to be able to buy myself as much ice cream as I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's kind of stuff. I wasn't that ambitious, you know, me, steal money and stuff. I know buy
0: PlayStation video games, this kind of stuff. Hacking to them. Yes. Yeah. I mean, let's see what the future holds. Maybe maybe all all the security experts are going to be ex-hackers in the future. Yeah, so now we're gonna we're gonna pass for the last section, the concluding section of this podcast, and mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna be talking about the job of the month. So each month we're choosing one data-related job, and based on actually the Parisian and uh, French, let's say, um, job offerings, I'm gonna give you the most demand in-demand skills for the job, the average, well, the range of salary uh, for the job. It's actually similar for the world in se- in terms of the required sets of skills you need but we're based in Paris, so it's just, just the anchor point for us. So this jo- okay. job of the month is data scientist. Can you tell me what a data scientist is? Like what does he or she do? Um, what's the job? Just just give me your association, <laughs> your top of the head thing. What do you think when I say data scientist?
1: I mean, a data scientist is someone with uh, good, like coding skills, so like maybe Python, R, SQL, this kind of coding language uh, and is able to extract value from uh, from the data that a company owns.
0: Okay, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I think too. Yeah. Okay. Kara, yeah. uh,
2: you... scientist sounds quite scientific. So yeah, think exactly. When I qualified. Have... Yeah, when I have uh, a they... scientist,
0: they focus on scientists, but <laughs> yes, I part. Yes, hear it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much correct. You're both correct. Me too. I think the same things as both of you. Um, data scientist is a more engineering, more IT, math type of job. Uh, actually, like almost, I would say 80 90% of job offerings in Paris require you to be, to hold a degree in math, statistics or IT uh, or like engineering school degree in order to or, start a career or big data and business analytics from SAP business. Hopefully. Group. Contact us, please. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, and um, they require this because there is actually reason behind that. A data scientist is someone who, and now, now I'm gonna be speaking in vague words because data scientist is still like a, a vast profession. You can be working on many things. So, data scientist is someone who, of course, uses data to extract value from it by. Um, developing models, developing probably machine learning models, deep learning models, um, other types of algorithms in order to analyze this very specific type of data and give some actionable insights. Of course, data scientists are always connected with either service providing, either business consulting because either you give them their data and they're going to tell you how to make more money or how to reduce the price and increase efficiency or you're going to be able to contribute to a service because as we all know Spotify is so good with predicting the next song you might like because they analyze um, your preferences using the algorithms and because they have such great models that recommend you the song you probably will want so that is this is a crucial changing point from the data analyst position that we discussed last month is the fact that the data analyst is mostly Analyzing purely analyzing data without applying Significant transformation to the model. They're not usually contributing to the to you know the algorithms that will recommend you something or or will um, do something crucial they're usually extracting value from data from analysis Yeah, whereas data scientists can create, well, usually create models uh, and fit something to something. And that's, of course, a more scientific uh, and and a more scientifically demanding job because in order to construct a beautiful algorithm, of course, you need to know how this algorithm might work. You need to know how to tweak it in order for it to work better. And um, that demands some IT skills. And um, yeah, but that's a rewarding job as well. Can you guess the... The average salary for a for um data scientist in Paris in a month. Uh, I think I know the one in the U.S., uh, which is Could like hundred,
1: hundred twenty, uh, uh hundred twenty uh, yeah, seven thousand dollar per yes. year. Yeah, yeah, full contract. Yeah, but
0: like for the uh, internship, if if you're a student, an intern. Ooh, can you maybe I don't know DBS because there they have a habit of not paying their interns <laughs> but here like how would you ex- how much money would you expect for a monthly uh, data science intern position
1: I would say from two to 3k euro maybe
0: uh, for, a a, for an intern for an intern
1: yeah for an intern, for an intern.
0: oh that's a lot uh, that's a large estimate I like your way of thinking uh, hey, also, eight like,
2: I, euros how much per month Eight hundred for an internship.
0: Okay, that's a pessimistic position. I like I like this range <laughs> of positions, uh, but it's actually it's actually in between, M- more mm-hmm. to the uh, to the Kiara side than to uh, to the no. side of, of of Leo. But still <laughs> not bad because um, it, it averages around a thousand, a thousand five hundred in this range okay. somewhere, uh, which is a good. Good salary you might uh, hope for for internship as an intern, yeah, because yeah, it's yeah, an intern. One. It's a uh, almost you don't pay almost any taxes on that, and uh, having thirteen hundred as a intern salary is a great thing because uh, later, yeah, because later it can lead you to a full time data scientist position. And here, uh, you can also try and guess how much, for example, in France, an average star- starting data scientist position. Um, can earn you 52 52.
2: okay that's very precise
0: i've seen this number somewhere yes (laughs) (laughs) i'm
2: gonna say 45k
0: 45k again of of course again there are many many markets and many companies that pay different things but uh, yeah Uh, here a fork is a little bit wider it starts with somewhere around 40k and yeah, mm-hmm. it can go up to 55 if for a starting position, I'm telling. It depends really on the company we're working, where you're working on because you're going to be very well predicting some <coughs> new songs for the algorithm or you can be working in banking or you can be working in industrial machinery where you're going to be trying to predict when the machine is going to break or how much it's going to be able to produce or you're going to be programming the next spot robot. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Yeah, so the range is wide of the of the, um, requirements of like job requirements, but the range is also wide for salaries. But of course, we've all heard that the uh, data scientist is the sexiest job of the 21st century. Yeah. Heard it in many yeah. many articles, and um, and that's that's certainly looking like that so far. Maybe it's a bubble. Who knows? But it's no. true that there's still no. lots of um, data to leverage, lots of things to. Um, to process and data scientists are going to help us to do just that and uh, actually many things we were talking about just now involve data scientists in some way or another programming robots uh, and giving estimates to to the risk it's all a data scientist mm, i think that data scientists would do so yeah yeah and i think
1: that's... in the in the, U- in the u.s they say that they are like the new investment bank or what ro- kind of like investment banking became such a like super cool job in the us super trending super popular and now like uh, people are moving toward data science or like uh, the financial industry is not anymore the one that was like five years ago four years ago yeah. so that's uh, also why i think that in the us is one of the highest paid job at least for a uh, entry-level position so because you know like hundred thirty thousand dollars, it's a okay. lot like yeah for, well,
0: for it's, a, it's true, but it's, for now, it's probably like a product of, of the demand and uh, an offer of the position because everybody wants their data to be processed. Everybody wants yeah. insights and not enough people yet are able to converge to the path of a data scientist. That's why there's more demand than usual and less offer than usual. Probably it's going to even out and level out somewhere in the next uh, five years. Yeah, probably. But still, yeah, it still remains a great, great job opportunity. And... Um, honestly i also heard somewhere i also read it i'm not sure about the exact numbers but like today um (coughs) goldman sachs has way more engineers than they used to have like 10 years ago and in proportionally less non engineer people because this is the this is the thing that revolutionizes the industry the consulting industry and uh, yeah
1: they are like uh hiring people with uh, engineering background, math background, because like you can always learn uh, the finance basics because let's be honest, they're kind of easy for the job that you're going to do. But if you really know heavy engineer stuff and models and blah, blah, it's like you can bring more value to the company compared to someone with like a finance major.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, the future is changed. And, and they, the future is going to And I did the
1: finance. So, I mean, people who studied finance as well, don't be angry with me. That's the poor reality. So,
0: yeah. Well, there's still going to be places for people who study finance with no technical background. Hopefully. Yeah. I <laughs> <Let's> hope so. <laughs> so, who knows what the future holds, right? So, Yeah. Anyways, I think we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be finishing right about now with this podcast. I hope you had fun, guys, having here. And thanks, thank fun. you once again for for invite uh, for being here. It was a pleasure hearing your voices and hearing your ideas. Uh, I hope you, uh, our listeners and our uh, our viewers on YouTube, uh, are also satisfied with what we produced for the past hour or so. Hope you learned something new, and. Um, so thanks again to Chiara Hoppner and Leonardo Espolin for joining. This is Big Data Month, November. Hopefully the lockdown is going to be down. It's going to be over soon. So we're going to be able to gather again in full force physically. But for now, we're doing it. We're still doing it online and we're still having fun with it. Thanks again for uh, watching and listening to us. And let's, uh, we'll see you next month. Goodbye. Bye, guys.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>